Chapter Eleven of the Short Stop. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Rowdy Delaney, Idaho, USA. The Short Stop by Zane Gray. Chapter Eleven, Inside Ball. Findlay lost the second game to Toledo, and according to Mac, largely through the weird playing by Chase. The Chronicle gave the excuse that Chase had not had time to accustom himself to the new arrangement of his eyesight. Hence his errors. Mac, however, was not disposed to be generous, and after the game told Chase he might expect a call when there was time to give it. And the players had heaped such terms of reproach upon Chase that he was well-nigh distracted. He felt the cardinal necessity of acting on Castorius's advice, yet he was loath to bring matters to such an issue. On the following day, when he presented himself at the grounds, he met Mitty Maru at the dressing-room entrance. It was evident that Mitty wanted to speak to him, but had only time for a warning glance before the explosion came from the players. Chase walked to his locker through a storm of Billingsgate, and somehow he sensed this was the climax. He turned his back, hurriedly got out of his suit, and began to dress. If it must come to a fight, he preferred to fight in his uniform. He listened to the storm, and for moments could scarcely distinguish any particular player's voice or epithet. Then, suddenly, he heard mention of a boat and a girl in such manner that his blood leaped through him like a flame. The moment had come. He was on his feet, trembling. "'Hold on!' he yelled. "'I know you're after me. But come now, one at a time, unless you're cowards.' A blank silence followed his words. Castorius slowly separated himself from the others. Enoch glanced keenly at Chase and said, "'I'm called, Sonny. I was only kiddin'. Chase eyed the next player, who happened to be Havel. "'Me too,' he said." "'I only said you're a swelled-up mutt,' put in Thatcher, with a disarming smile. "'Ah, you're getting too exclusive since that hoodoo lamp was fixed. Too handsome by far,' said Ziegler. "'Go on, Molly. You make me sick.' "'Willie off the yacht?' Mead was the next player upon whom Chase fixed his flashing eyes. The first baseman evidently enjoyed the situation, for he sneered and took a couple of steps in Chase's direction. He looked mean." Throwin' a bluff, eh? Well, you can't bluff me. You're a pie-faced towhead. That's what you are. Been shuttin' your eyes and gettin' a few lucky hits. Then swell up. See, Mama's little boy. Too nice to smoke a cigar or take a drink, eh? But you mush the girls, you lollygagger. Boat ridin', eh? I know the girl, all right. She's one of your dyin' duck in the thunderstorm kind. She's chase struck out with all his strength. Meade crashed down into a corner, rolled over, twisted his body, but he could not rise. Chase stood over him a moment, then turned round to encounter Benny. As usual, the second baseman was partially drunk, and, being a friend of Meade's, he leered threateningly at Chase and raised his arm. Chase promptly slapped him. Benny staggered, lost his balance, and tumbled over a chair, then set up a howl. Cass ran to him and helped him to his feet and held on to him. "'Cass, let me go. I've been hit,' howled Benny. "'No, you haven't. 
"'But you will get hit in a minute if you don't look out,' said Cass. At that moment Mac came into the dressing-room. Some of the boys were helping Meade to rise, and once up he presented a sorry spectacle. His lip was puffed out and bloody. Benny was now in tears, and crying he had no friends. "'What's all this? A scrap?' questioned Mac. Chase briefly told him the circumstances, and concluded in this wise. "'Stood it as long as I could. And I want to say right here, if anybody gets after me again, he'll be sorry.' "'Sure. It was about time you broke,' growled Mac. "'Mead, you got what was coming to you, and from the looks of your mug you got it good. You can take that uniform off. I'm sorry to turn you down, but business is business. You don't fit in with Finley. I think you might get on with Wheeling, for they like your work down there. You're overdrawn, but let it go at that.' "'And say, Mead, take a tip from me,' chirped in Mitty Maru. "'You're a crack fielder.' and a fair striker, and you know the game. But you're a knocker. Get wise. Get wise. Meade lost no time getting out of his suit. To the other players his release was but an incident in baseball experience. They all said a good word to him as he was passing out, and then straightway forgot him. Cass was remonstrating with Benny. It appeared Benny could not get over the idea that he must fight Chase. But Benny— "'You'll get all beat up,' protested Cass. "'Because if you lick Chase, which isn't likely, I'll have to lick you myself.' This put an entirely new light on the subject. Benny began to cry again, and said, "'Everybody but me has friends.' "'Cut it out. You're half full. I tell you, brace up, or Mac will be letting you go, too. I'm your friend. So's Chase. Here, Chase, shake hands with Benny. He thinks you've got it in for him.' Chase readily offered his hand, which Benny grasped and worked as if it were a pump-handle. He seemed as anxious to be friends as he had been to fight. "'Benny,' said Mac, "'you're shaky today. I want you to cut this boozin' out. Mind. I'll let you go if you don't. Now take a little sleep before the game.' Ford, the local player whom Mac was training, now came in for a talk from the manager. "'Here, Ford, and you, Chase. It won't hurt you to listen.' Ford, most of the balls thrown in any game go to first base, and you must always be there. Practice getting back to the base fast. The further you can play off the base and still get back, the better you'll be. Play deep when there's no one on the bases. Let the pitcher cover the base sometimes when you're fielding a hard chance, and snap the ball to him underhand. With a runner on first, keep your eye peeled on the batter. If he bunts down the first baseline, you dig for the ball and peg it to second and then hustle back to your base. A fast man gets in double plays that way. Think sharp. Throw quick. Now, on handling low throws, if you practice so you can pick up any kind of bad throw, you will save many a game, and you will steady up the other infielders. Nothing helps a fielder so much as to know he can cut loose and that you'll get any kind of throw. You've got a long reach, so don't leave the base reaching for wild throws till you have to. Keep both feet before the base, so as to be able to touch it with either foot, and reach toward the ball as far as you can. The sooner you catch it, the sooner the runner is out. Got that? Now, Chase, a word with you. That was a weird game you put up yesterday. Mind wasn't on the game, see? You was counting your money, or something like. Maybe this talk about being spoony has something in it. Anyway, you brace. Mind, you're the keystone of the diamond. If you fall down, smash. You've got to play second and third as well as short. 
You gotta think before the play comes off. You gotta take many balls on the run. The particular thing yesterday was your failure to catch the signals between Hicks and Benny. Twice you'd have saved runs if you'd have caught the signal. Now, today, when Hicks signs Benny that he's gonna try and catch a runner off second, you back up the play. Got that? Mac then turned to the other players of his team. Say, Indians, I'm gonna pitch poke today, and I want you all to get up and dust. What? roared Castorius, his underlip protruding. I'm going to work today. Sure, Cass, and you can't pitch all the games. I want to save you. There's the morning game on the fourth with Kenton. We have to go over to Kenton for that, and we want to win it. We come back here for the afternoon game, and I think Spears good for it. What's again try and poke today? He's crazy. Don't put the rube in. He's wilder than a Texas steer. These and sundry other remarks expressed the player's opinion as to Mac's new find. Well, he goes in all right, returned Mac. And say, you fellers listen to this. Don't any of you lay down. We want that pennant. The directors have promised us a banquet, a purse, and a benefit game if we land the flag. Got that? A chorus of exclamations greeted Mac's news. And say, Beekman has put up an extra hundred for the leading hitter. Got that? Another howl from the players answered him. And say, King has put up an extra hundred for the leading fielder. Got that? This time there was a louder howl. And say, Guggenheimer and company have put up an extra hundred for the leading pitcher. Got that? Cass began to dance and sing. Do deedle dee, dum dum, do deedle dee. Oh, I don't know. I guess maybe I haven't that extra hundred in my inside pocket right now. And say, if we land the bunt in this season, we'll all have to get new trucks to carry away the suits and hats and shoes that's promised. Got that? Cass, Benny, Enoch, and the others formed a ring around Polk and danced in Indian fashion. Hey, you rail-splitter, if you lose today, we'll kill you. Sonny, get them hayseeds out of your eyes. Listen to this, fellows yelled Cass, breaking up the ring. Reuben, Reuben, we've been thinking that we'll put the kibosh on you, if today you don't put em over and cut that plate right in two. Chase found himself joining lustily in the song. There was a scene of wild excitement, which for no apparent reason centered about poor bewildered Polk. The boys sang and yelled at him and slapped him on the back till they were all out of breath. Rube, you're on. Get in the game now, you long, lanky, scared-looking beanpole. On the way out, Chase dazed at himself, not understanding why he had joined in the unanimous attack on Polk, slipped up to him and whispered, Don't mind it. We mean well. Keep your nerve and pitch hard. The bleachers showed a disposition to resent Mac's choice in such an important game, and were not slow in voicing their feelings. Mac, where did you get it? Lock the gate! Lock the gate! Get some straw for the calves of Hit's legs. Help, 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 help. Well, well, well. Polk undoubtedly showed nervousness when he faced the first Toledo batter, and he was wild. He drove the batter back from the plate, and then gave him his base on balls. The bleachers broke out in a roar, but the Finley players then showed one of the beautiful features of baseball, a thing that makes the game what it is. Hicks walked toward the pitcher, and handing him the ball said, Ease up, ease up, pitch for my mitt, take more time. Then from all the players came soft, 
aggressive encouragement. "'Make em hit, Sonny,' said Enoch. "'Remember, there's seven men back here playing with you.' "'Don't let any more walk, old man,' said Ford. "'There's a stone wall behind you, Pokey, so put em over,' said Benny. "'Let em hit to me,' said Chase. From the outfield came low calls of similar import. Polk's heart swelled in his throat, as could be seen by the way he swallowed. He was white and dripping with sweat. His perturbation was so manifest that the Toledo players jeered at him. His situation was the most important and painful stage in the evolution of a pitcher. Much depended on how he would meet it. He threw the ball toward the next batter, who hit it back to him. Polk made a good stop of the ball, dropped it, recovered it, and then stood helpless. Both runners were safe. The Toledo players yelled. The bleachers roared. Polk's chance shone a little dimmer. Again the Finley players voiced their characteristic inspiriting calls. Polk threw off his cap and again faced a batter. "'Stay with them till your hair blows out,' called Enoch. The batter hit the next ball sharply to chase. He was on it with a leap, picked it up cleanly, touched second base on the run, and whipped it to first, making a double play. The runner on second had, of course, reached third. Two down, old man. Play the hitter. Make him hit. Toledo's man drove up a long fly in Thatcher's direction. As he ran to get under it, the bleachers yelled, In the well! In the well! Past experience had taught them what fate to expect of a fly ball hit to the dude. For Findlay, Enoch went out on a foul to the catcher. Thatcher had two strikes called, missed the next, and retired in disgust. Chase, now batting third, worked a base on balls. A pass ball sent him to second. Then Havel hit sharply through short field. Chase started for third with all his speed. The play was for him to score. When he reached third he was going like the wind. As he circled round the base, Bud, the Toledo third baseman, stuck out his hip. Chase collided with it, went hurtling through the air, and rolled over and over. He felt a severe pain, and the field whirled round. He could not make a move before Bud got the ball and touched him out. Mac and Enoch came running. The former spoke some hot words to Bud. "'What you givin' us?' said that individual. "'Didn't he run again me? Go soak your head!' Enoch was bending over Chase. Mitty ran out with a cup of water, and other players surrounded them. "'I'm not hurt much, I guess,' said Chase. "'I'm only dizzy. Wait a minute. What did he do to me?' "'Call time!' yelled Mac to the umpire. "'Chase, I told you to look out for Bud. That's his old trick. He gave you the hip. Stuck out his hip and spilled you all over the field. It's a dirty trick and a bad thing for a fast man to run again. I hope you ain't hurt.' "'Sure, you did tumble. Won't forget that in a hurry. Say, Bud, why don't you ever try that on me?' demanded Cass. "'Bah!' replied Bud, and walked toward the bench. Chase was considerably shaken up and bruised, but able to go on with the game. He did not say another word about it, only he made a mental reservation that he would surprise Mr. Bud the next time he rounded third base. Some snappy fielding saved Polk again in the second inning, and in the third Toledo made a run on a base on balls, a hit, and a fly to the outfield. Then the long pitcher seemed to settle down and lose his nervousness. 
Thereafter he mowed the Toledo batters down as if they were cornstalks on his farm. The harder he worked, the swifter he threw, the steadier he became. He was ungainly. He did not know how to pitch, but what speed he had. The fickle bleachers atoned for their derision. The grandstands showed their delight, and the Findlay players, one and all, kept talking to him, lauding him to the skies, and belittling the hitters who faced him. "'Oh, I don't know. Pretty poor. I guess not. Poke em over, Poke. Speed. Oh, no. You can't see em. Grand, Rube. Grand.' In the eighth inning, when Finley came in for their bat, Chase ran into the dressing-room and searched for a horseshoe nail that he remembered seeing. He put it in his pocket. There was one man out when he came to the bat, and he determined to get his base. As luck would have it, he placed a hot single to right field. As soon as he reached first and stopped, he took the horseshoe nail out of his pocket and held it firmly in his left hand, point exposed. One glance toward the bench gave him the sign. Mac's score-card was in sight, which meant to run on the first ball pitched. Chase watched the Toledo pitcher with hawk-like eyes. He got up on his toes, and as the pitcher started to swing, Chase started for second base. He heard the crack of a ball as Havel hit it, and saw it shoot out over short to bound between the running fielders. He ran as he had never run before, turned second, raced for third, and gripped his horseshoe nail. Bud was leisurely backing into third base trickily, to get there just at the right instant. Chase sped onward, with his eye on that muscular hip. He saw it suddenly, like a gray flash, protrude into his path, and using all his force he swung upward with the horseshoe nail. Bud sprang spasmodically into the air. Ugh! A hoarse yell escaped him. The crowd in the stands and bleachers did not know what Chase had done, but as he easily scored while Bud walked Spanish, they divined the triumph of retaliation, and howled with all the might of the fair-minded lovers of sport. But the Findlay players and the Toledo players knew how the little youngster Chase had got back at the veteran Bud. It was a play such as every ball player reveled in. It embodied the great spirit of the game and to a man they broke out and pranced over the field in unbridled joy. For a time the game was interrupted. And the best part of the incident was when, after Findlay had won seven to three, Bud went into the Findlay dressing-room and said to Chase, "'Kid, shake hands. I've been looking for that for years.'" End of chapter 11